Chapter Forty of the Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Nicholas Nickleby by Charles Dickens. Chapter Forty, in which Nicholas falls in love. He employs a mediator, whose proceedings are crowned with unexpected success, excepting in one solitary particular. Once more out of the clutches of his old persecutor, it needed no fresh stimulation to call forth with the utmost energy and exertion that Smike was capable of summoning to his aid. Without pausing for a moment to reflect upon the course he was taking, or the probability of its leading him homewards, or the reverse, he fled away with surprising swiftness and constancy of purpose, borne upon such wings as only fear can wear and impelled by imaginary shouts in the well-remembered voice of Squeers, who, with a host of pursuers, seemed to the poor fellow's disordered senses to press hard upon his track. Now left at a greater distance in the rear, and now gaining faster and faster upon him, as the alternations of hope and terror agitated him by turns. Long after he had become assured that these sounds were but the creation of his own excited brain, he still held on, at a pace which even weakness and exhaustion could scarcely retard. It was not until the darkness and quiet of a country road recalled him to a sense of external objects, and the starry sky above warned him of the rapid flight of time, that covered with dust and panting for breath, he stopped to listen and look about him. All was still and silent. A glare of light in the distance, casting a warm glow upon the sky, marked where the huge city lay solitary fields divided by hedges and ditches through many of which he had crashed and scrambled in his flight skirted the road both by the way he had come and upon the opposite side it was late now they could scarcely trace him by such paths that he had taken and if he could hope to regain his own dwelling it must surely be at such a time as that and under the cover of darkness this by degrees became pretty plain even to the mind of smike he had at first entertained some vague and childish idea of travelling into the country for ten or a dozen miles and then returning homewards by a wide circuit which should keep him clear of london so great was his apprehension of traversing the streets alone lest he should again encounter his dreaded enemy but yielding to the conviction which these thoughts inspired he turned back and taking the open road though not without many fears and misgivings made for London again, with scarcely less speed of foot than that with which he had left the temporary abode of Mr. Squeers. By the time he re-entered it, at the western extremity, the greater part of the shops were closed, of the throngs of people who had been tempted abroad after the heat of the day, but few remained in the streets, and they were lounging home. But of those he asked his way from time to time, and by dint of repeated inquiries, he at length reached the dwelling of Newman Noggs. All that evening Newman had been hunting and searching in byways and corners for the very person who now knocked at his door, while Nicholas had been pursuing the same inquiry in other directions. He was sitting with a melancholy air at his poor supper when Smike's timorous and uncertain knock reached his ears. Alive to every sound in his anxious and expectant state, Newman hurried downstairs and uttering a cry of joyful surprise, dragged the welcome visitor into the passage and up the stairs, and said not a word 
until he had him safe in his own garret and the door was shut behind them when he mixed a great mug full of gin and water and holding it to smike's mouth as one might hold a bowl of medicine to the lips of a refractory child commanded him to drain it to the last drop newman looked uncommonly blank when he found that smike did little more than put his lips to the precious mixture he was in the act of raising the mug to his own mouth with a deep sigh of compassion for his poor friend's weakness when smike beginning to relate the adventures which had befallen him arrested him halfway and he stood listening with a mug in his hand it was odd enough to see the change that came over newman as smike proceeded at first he stood rubbing his lips with the back of his hand as a preparatory ceremony towards composing himself for a draught then at the mention of squeers he took the mug under his arm and opening his eyes very wide looked on in the utmost astonishment when smike came to the assault upon himself in the hackney coach he hastily deposited the mug upon the table and limped up and down the room in a state of the greatest excitement stopping himself with a jerk now and then as if to listen more attentively when john browdie came to be spoken of he dropped by slow and gradual degrees into a chair and rubbing his hands upon his knees quicker and quicker as the story reached its climax burst at last into a laugh composed of one loud sonorous ha ha having given vent to which his countenance immediately fell again as he inquired with the utmost anxiety whether it was probable that john browdie and squeers had come to blows no i think not replied smike i don't think he could have missed me till i had got quite away newman scratched his head with a shout of great disappointment and once more lifting up the mug applied himself to the contents smiling meanwhile over the rim with a grim and ghastly smile at smike you shall stay here said newman you're tired fagged i'll tell them you come back they've been half mad about you mr nicholas god bless him cried smike amen returned newman he hasn't had a minute's rest or peace no more has the old lady nor miss nickleby no no has she thought about me said smike has she though oh has she has she don't tell me so if she is not she has cried newman she is as noble-hearted as she is beautiful yes yes cried smike well said so mild and gentle said newman yes yes cried smike with increasing eagerness and yet with such a true and gallant spirit pursued newman he was going on in his enthusiasm when chancing to look at his companion he saw that he had covered his face with his hands and that tears were stealing out between his fingers a moment before the boy's eyes were sparkling with unwonted fire and every feature had been lighted up with an excitement which made him appear for the moment quite a different being well well muttered newman as if he were a little puzzled it has touched me more than once to think that such a nature should have been exposed to such trials this poor fellow yes yes he feels that too it softens him makes him think of his former misery yeah that's it mm. it was by no means clear from the tone of these broken reflections that newman noggs considered them as explaining at all satisfactorily the emotion which had suggested them he sat in a musing attitude for some time regarding smike occasionally with an anxious and doubtful glance which sufficiently showed that he was not very remotely connected with his thoughts at length he repeated his proposition that smike should remain where he was for that night and that he noggs should straightway repair to the cottage to relieve the suspense of the family but 
as smike would not hear of this pleading his anxiety to see his friends again they eventually sallied forth together and the night being by this time far advanced and smike being besides so footsore that he could hardly crawl along it was within an hour of sunrise when they reached their destination at the first sound of their voices outside the house nicholas who had passed a sleepless night devising schemes for the recovery of his lost charge started from his bed and joyfully admitted them there was so much noisy conversation and congratulation and indignation that the remainder of the family was soon awakened and smike received a warm and cordial welcome not only from kate but from mrs nickleby also who assured him of her future favour and regard and was so obliging as to relate for his entertainment and that of the assembled circle a most remarkable account extracted from some work the name of which she had never known of a miraculous escape from some prison but what one she couldn't remember effected by an officer whose name she had forgotten confined for some crime which she didn't clearly recollect at first nicholas was disposed to give his uncle credit for some portion of this bold attempt which had so nearly proved successful to carry off smike but on more mature consideration he was inclined to think that the full merit of it rested with mr squeers determined to ascertain if he could through john Brodie, how the case really stood he betook himself to his daily occupation meditating as he went on a great variety of schemes for the punishment of the yorkshire schoolmaster all of which had their foundation in the strictest principles of retributive justice and had but the one drawback of being wholly impracticable a fine morning mr linkinwater said nicholas entering the office ah replied tim talk of the country indeed what do you think of this now for a day london day eh? a little clearer out of town said nicholas clearer echoed tim linkinwater you should see it from my bedroom window you should see it from mine replied nicholas with a smile <laughs> said tim linkinwater don't tell me country bow was quite a rustic place to tim nonsense what can you get in the country but new-laid eggs and flowers i can buy new-laid eggs in leadenhall market any morning before breakfast as to flowers it's worth a run upstairs to smell my mignonette or to see the double wallflower in the back attic window at number six in the court there's a double wallflower at number six in the court is there said nicholas yes there is replied tim and planted in a cracked jug without a spout there were hyacinths there last spring blossoming in but you'll laugh of course at what at their blossoming in old blacking bottles said tim not i indeed returned nicholas tim looked wistfully at him for a moment as if he were encouraged by the tone of this reply to be more communicative on the subject and sticking behind his ear a pen that he had been making and shutting up his knife with a smart click said they belong to a sickly bedridden humpbacked boy and seem to be the only pleasure mr nickleby of his sad existence how many years is it said tim pondering since i first noticed him quite a little child dragging himself about on a pair of tiny crutches well well not many but though they would appear nothing if i thought of other things they seem a long long time when i think of him it's a sad thing said tim breaking off to see a little deformed child sitting apart from the other children who are active and merry watching the games he is denied the power to share in he made my heart ache very often it's a good heart said nicholas that disentangles itself from the close avocations of every day to heed such things you were saying that the flowers belong to this poor boy said tim that's all when it's fine weather and he can crawl out of bed 
he draws a chair close to the window and sits there looking at them and arranging them all day long he used to nod at first and then we came to speak formerly when i called to him of a morning and asked him how he was he would smile and say better but now he shakes his head and only bends more closely over his old plants it must be dull to watch the dark housetops and the flying clouds for so many months but he is very patient is there nobody in the house to cheer or help him asked nicholas his father lives there i believe replied tim and other people too but no one seems to care much for the poor sickly cripple i have asked him very often if i can do nothing for him his answer is always the same nothing his voice is growing weak of late but i can see that he makes the old reply he can't leave his bed now so they've moved it close beside the window where he lies all day now looking at the sky and now at his flowers which he still makes shift to trim and water with his own thin hands at night when he sees my candle he draws back his curtain and leaves it so till i am in bed it seems such company to him to know that i am there and often i sit at my window for an hour or more that he may see that i am still awake and sometimes i get up in the night to look at the dull melancholy light in his little room and wonder whether he is awake or sleeping the night will not be long coming said tim when he will sleep and never wake again on earth we have never so much as shaken hands in all our lives and yet i shall miss him like an old friend are there any country flowers that could interest me like these do you think or do you suppose that the withering of a hundred kinds of the choicest flowers that blow called by the hardest latin names that were ever invented would give me one fraction of the pain that i shall feel when these old jugs and bottles are swept away as lumber country cried tim with a contemptuous emphasis don't you know that i couldn't have such a court under my bedroom window anywhere but in london with which inquiry tim turned his back and pretending to be absorbed in his accounts took an opportunity of hastily wiping his eyes when he supposed nicholas was looking the other way whether it was that tim's accounts were more than usually intricate that morning or whether it was that his habitual serenity had been a little disturbed by these recollections it so happened that when nicholas returned from executing some commission and inquired whether mr charles cherrible was alone in his room tim promptly without the smallest hesitation replied in the affirmative although somebody had passed into the room not ten minutes before and tim took especial and particular pride in preventing any intrusion on either of the brothers when they were engaged with any visitor whatever i'll take this letter to him at once said nicholas if that's the case and with that he walked to the room and knocked at the door no answer another knock and still no answer he can't be here thought nicholas i'll lay it on his table so nicholas opened the door and walked in and very quickly he turned to walk out again when he saw to his great astonishment and discomfiture a young lady upon her knees at mr cherubel's feet and mr cherubel beseeching her to rise and entreating a third person who had the appearance of the young lady's female attendant to add her persuasions to his to induce her to do so nicholas stammered out an awkward apology and was precipitately retiring when the young lady turning her head a little presented to his view the features of the lovely girl whom he had seen at the register office on his first visit long before glancing from her to the attendant he recognized the same clumsy servant who had accompanied her then and between his admiration of the young lady's beauty 
and the confusion and surprise of this unexpected recognition, he stood stock still, in such a bewildered state of surprise and embarrassment, that for the moment he was quite bereft of the power either to speak or move. "'My dear man, my dear young lady,' cried Brother Charles, in violent agitation, "'pray don't, not another word, I beseech and entreat you, I implore you, I beg of you, to rise. We, we are not alone.' As he spoke, he raised the young lady, who staggered to a chair and swooned away. "'She has fainted, sir,' said Nicholas, darting eagerly forward. "'Poor dear, poor dear,' cried Brother Charles. "'Where is my brother Ned? Ned, my dear brother, come here, pray.' "'Brother Charles, my dear fellow,' replied his brother, hurrying into the room. "'What is the, ah, uh, what? Ah, uh, hush, hush, not a word for your life, Brother Ned,' returned the other. "'Ring for the housekeeper, my dear brother. Call Tim Linkinwater in here.' here tim linkinwater sir mr nickleby my dear sir leave the room i beg and beseech of you i think she's better now said nicholas who had been watching the patient so eagerly that he had not heard the request poor bird cried brother charles gently taking her hand in his and laying her head upon his arm brother ned my dear fellow you'll be surprised i know to witness this in business hours but here he was again reminded of the presence of nicholas and shaking him by the hand earnestly requested him to leave the room and to send tim linkinwater in without an instant's delay nicholas immediately withdrew and on his way to the counting-house met both the old housekeeper and tim linkinwater jostling each other in the passage and hurrying to the scene of action with extraordinary speed without waiting to hear his message tim linkinwater darted into the room and presently afterwards nicholas heard the door shut and locked on the inside he had an abundance of time to ruminate on this discovery for tim linkinwater was absent during the greater part of an hour during the whole of which time nicholas thought of nothing but the young lady and her exceeding beauty and what could possibly have brought her there and why they made such a mystery of it the more he thought of all this the more it perplexed him and the more anxious he became to know who and what she was I should have known her among ten thousand, thought Nicholas, and with that he walked up and down the room, and recalling her face and figure, of which he had a peculiarly vivid remembrance, discarded all other subjects of reflection, and dwelt upon that alone. At length Tim Linkinwater came back, provokingly cool, and with papers in his hand and a pen in his mouth, as if nothing had happened. "'Is she quite recovered?' said Nicholas impetuously who returned tim linkinwater who repeated nicholas the young lady what do you make mr nickleby said tim taking his pen out of his mouth what do you make of four hundred and twenty-seven times three thousand two hundred and thirty-eight nay returned nicholas what do you make of my question first i asked you about the young lady said tim linkinwater putting on his spectacles to be sure yes oh she's very well very well is she returned nicholas very well replied mr linkinwater gravely will she be able to go home to-day asked nicholas she's gone said tim gone yes i hope she has not far to go said nicholas looking earnestly at the other ay replied the immovable tim i hope she hasn't nicholas hazarded one or two further remarks but it was evident that tim linkinwater had his own reasons for evading the subject and that he was determined to afford no further information respecting the fair unknown who had awakened so much curiosity in the breast of his young friend 
nothing daunted by this repulse nicholas returned to the charge next day emboldened by the circumstance of mr linkinwater being in a very talkative and communicative mood but directly he resumed the theme tim relapsed into a state of most provoking taciturnity and from answering in monosyllables come to returning no answers at all save such as were to be inferred from several grave nods and shrugs which only served to whet that appetite for intelligence in nicholas which had already attained a most unreasonable height foiled in these attempts he was fain to content himself with watching for the young lady's next visit but here again he was disappointed day after day passed and she did not return he looked eagerly at the superscription of all the notes and letters but there was not one among them which he could fancy to be in her handwriting on two or three occasions he was employed on business which took him to a distance and had formerly been transacted by tim linkinwater nicholas could not help suspecting that for some reason or other he was sent out of the way on purpose and that the young lady was there in his absence nothing transpired however to confirm this suspicion and tim could not be entrapped into any confession or admission tending to support it in the smallest degree mystery and disappointment are not absolutely indispensable to the growth of love but they are very often its powerful auxiliaries out of sight out of mind is well enough as a proverb applicable to cases of friendship though absence is not always necessary to hollowness of heart even between friends and truth and honesty like precious stones are perhaps most easily imitated at a distance when the counterfeits often pass for real love however is very materially assisted by a warm and active imagination which has a long memory and will thrive for a considerable time on very slight and sparing food thus it is that it often attains its most luxuriant growth in separation and under circumstances of utmost difficulty and thus it was that nicholas thinking of nothing but the unknown young lady from day to day and from hour to hour began at last to think he was very desperately in love with her and that never was such an ill-used and persecuted lover as he still though he loved and languished after the most orthodox models and was only deterred from making a confidante of kate by the slight considerations of having never in all his life spoken to the object of his passion and having never set eyes upon her except on two occasions on both of which he had come and gone like a flash of lightning or as nicholas himself said in the numerous conversations he held with himself like a vision of youth and beauty much too bright to last his ardour and devotion remained without its reward the young lady appeared no more so there was a great deal of love wasted enough indeed to have set up half a dozen young gentlemen as times go with the utmost decency now nobody was a bit the wiser for it not even nicholas himself who on the contrary became more dull sentimental and lackadaisical every day while matters were in this state the failure of a correspondent of the brothers cherubal in germany imposed upon tim linkinwater and nicholas the necessity of going through some very long and complicated accounts extending over a considerable space of time to get through them with the greater dispatch tim linkinwater proposed that they should remain at the counting-house for a week or so until ten o'clock at night to this as nothing damped the zeal of nicholas in the service of his kind patrons 
not even romance which has seldom business habits he cheerfully assented on the very first night of these later hours at nine exactly there came not the young lady herself but her servant who being closeted with brother charles for some time went away and returned the next night at the same hour and on the next and on the next again these repeated visits inflamed the curiosity of nicholas to the very highest pitch tantalized and excited beyond all bearing and unable to fathom the mystery without neglecting his duty he confided the whole secret to newman noggs imploring him to be on watch the next night to follow the girl home to set foot on such inquiries relative to the name condition and history of her mistress as he could without exciting suspicion and to report the result to him with the least possible delay beyond all measure proud of this commission newman noggs took up his post in the square on the following evening a full hour before the needful time and planting himself behind the pump and pulling his hat over his eyes began his watch with an elaborate appearance of mystery admirably calculated to excite the suspicion of all beholders indeed diverse servant girls who came to draw water and sundry little boys who stopped to drink at the ladle were almost scared out of their senses by the apparition of newman noggs looking stealthily round the pump with nothing of invisible but his face and that wearing the expression of a meditative ogre punctual to her time the messenger came again and after an interview of rather longer duration than usual departed newman had made two appointments with nicholas one for the next evening conditional on his success and one for the next night following which was to be kept under all circumstances the first night he was not at the place of meeting a certain tavern about halfway between the city and golden square but on the second night he was there before nicholas and received him with open arms it's all right whispered newman sit down sit down there's a dear young man and let me tell you all about it nicholas needed no second invitation and eagerly inquired what was the news there's a great deal of news said newman in a flutter of exultation it's all right don't be anxious i don't know where to begin never mind that keep up your spirits it's all right well said nicholas eagerly yes yes replied newman that's it what is it said nicholas the name the name my dear fellow the name's bobster replied newman bobster repeated nicholas indignantly that's the name said newman i remember it by lobster bobster repeated nicholas more emphatically than before that must be the servant's name no it ain't said newman shaking his head with great positiveness miss cecilia bobster cecilia eh returned nicholas muttering the two names together over and over again in every variety of tone to try the effect well cecilia is a pretty name very and a pretty creature too said newman who said nicholas miss bobster why where have you seen her demanded nicholas never mind my dear boy retorted noggs clapping him on the shoulder i have seen her you shall see her i have managed it all my dear newman cried nicholas grasping his hand are you serious i am replied newman i mean it all every word you shall see her to-morrow night she consents to hear you speak for yourself i persuaded her she is all affability goodness sweetness and beauty i know she is i know she must be newman said nicholas wringing his hand you are right returned newman where does she live cried nicholas what have you learnt of her history has she a father mother any brothers sisters what did she say how came you to see her was she not very much surprised 
did you say how passionately i have longed to speak to her did you tell her where i had seen her did you tell her how and when and where and how long and how often i have thought of that sweet face which came upon me in my bitterest distress like a glimpse of some better world did you newman did you poor noggs literally gasped for breath as this flood of questions rushed upon him and moved spasmodically in his chair at every fresh inquiry staring at nicholas meanwhile with a most ludicrous expression of perplexity no said newman i didn't tell her that didn't tell her which asked nicholas about the glimpse of a better world said newman i didn't tell her who you were either or where you'd seen her i said you loved her to distraction that's true newman replied nicholas with his characteristic vehemence heaven knows i do i said too that you admired her for a long time in secret said newman yes yes what does she say to that asked nicholas blushed said newman to be sure of course she would said nicholas approvingly newman then went on to say that the young lady was an only child that her mother was dead that she resided with her father and that she had been induced to allow her lover a secret interview at the intercession of her servant who had a great influence with her he further related how it required much moving and great eloquence to bring the young lady to this pass however it was expressly understood that she merely afforded nicholas an opportunity of declaring his passion and how she by no means pledged herself to be favourably impressed with his attentions the mystery of her visits to the brothers cherubal remained wholly unexplained for newman had not alluded to them either in his preliminary conversations with the servant or his subsequent interview with the mistress merely remarking that he had been instructed to watch the girl home and plead his young friend's cause and not saying how far he had followed her or from what point but newman hinted that from what had fallen from the confidante he had been led to suspect that the young lady led a very miserable and unhappy life under the strict control of her only parent who was of a violent and brutal temper a circumstance which he had thought it might in some degree account for both her having sought the protection and friendship of the brothers and her suffering herself to be prevailed upon to grant the promised interview the last he held to be a very logical deduction from the premises inasmuch that it was but natural to suppose that a young lady whose present condition was so unenviable would be more than commonly desirous to change it it appeared on further questioning for it was only by a very long and arduous process that all this could be got out of newman noggs that newman in explanation of his shabby appearance had represented himself as being for certain wise and indispensable purposes connected with that intrigue in disguise and being questioned how he had come to exceed his commission so far as to procure an interview he responded that the lady appeared willing to grant it he considered himself bound both in duty and gallantry to avail himself of such a golden means of enabling nicholas to prosecute his addresses after these and all possible questions had been asked and answered twenty times over they parted undertaking to meet on the following night at half-past ten for the purpose of fulfilling the appointment which was for eleven o'clock things come about very strangely thought nicholas as he walked home i never contemplated anything of this kind never dreamt of the possibility of it to know something of the life of one in whom i felt such interest to see her in the street past the house in which she lived to meet her sometimes in her walks to hope that a day might come when i might be in a condition to tell her of my love this was the utmost extent of my thoughts now however but i should be a fool indeed to repine at my own good fortune still nicholas was dissatisfied and there was more in the dissatisfaction than a mere revulsion of feeling 
he was angry with the young lady for being so easily won because reasoned nicholas it is not as if she knew that it was i but it might have been anybody which was certainly not pleasant the next moment he was angry with himself for entertaining such thoughts arguing that nothing but goodness could dwell in such a temple and that the behaviour of the brothers sufficiently showed the estimation in which they held her the fact is she's a mystery altogether said nicholas this was not more satisfactory than his previous course of reflection and only drove him out upon a new sea of speculation and conjecture where he tossed and tumbled in great discomfort of mind until the clock struck ten and the hour of meeting drew nigh nicholas had dressed himself up with great care and even newman noggs had trimmed himself up a little his coat presenting the phenomenon of two consecutive buttons and the supplementary pins being inserted at tolerably regular intervals he wore his hat too in the newest taste with a pocket handkerchief in the crown and a twisted end of it straggling out behind after the fashion of a pigtail although he could scarcely lay claim to the ingenuity of inventing this latter decoration inasmuch as he was utterly unconscious of it being in a nervous and excited condition which rendered him quite insensible to everything but the great object of the expedition they traversed the streets in profound silence and after walking at a round pace for some distance arrived in one of a gloomy appearance and very little frequented near the edgware road number twelve said newman oh replied nicholas looking about him good street said newman yes returned nicholas rather dull newman made no answer to this remark but halting abruptly planted nicholas with his back to some area railings and gave him to understand that he was to wait there without moving hand or foot until it was satisfactorily ascertained that the coast was clear this done noggs limped away with great alacrity looking over his shoulder every instant to make quite certain that nicholas was obeying his directions and ascending the steps of a house some half a dozen doors off was lost to view after a short delay he reappeared and limping back again halted midway and beckoned nicholas to follow him well said nicholas advancing towards him on tiptoe all right replied newman in high glee all ready nobody at home couldn't be better ha ha with this fortifying assurance he stole past a street door on which nicholas caught a glimpse of a brass plate with bobster in very large letters and stopping at the area gate which was open signed to his young friend to descend what the devil cried nicholas drawing back are we to sneak into the kitchen as if we came after the forks hush replied newman old bobster ferocious turk he'd kill em all box the young lady's ears he does often what cried nicholas in high wrath do you mean to tell me that any man would dare to box the ears of such a he had no time to sing the praises of his mistress just then for newman gave him a gentle push which had nearly precipitated him to the bottom of the area steps thinking it best to take the hint in good part nicholas descended without further remonstrance but with a countenance bespeaking anything rather than the hope of rapture of a passionate lover newman followed he would have followed head first but for the timely assistance of nicholas and taking his hand led him through a stone passage profoundly dark into a back kitchen or cellar of the blackest and most pitchy obscurity where they stopped well said nicholas in a discontented whisper this is not all i suppose is it no no rejoined noggs they'll be here directly it's all right 
i'm glad to hear it said nicholas i shouldn't have thought it i confess they exchanged no further words and there nicholas stood listening to the loud breathing of newman noggs and imagining that his nose seemed to glow like a red-hot coal even in the midst of the darkness which enshrouded them suddenly the sound of cautious footsteps attracted his ear and directly afterwards a female voice inquired if the gentleman was there yes replied nicholas turning towards the corner from which the voice proceeded who is that only me sir replied the voice now if you please ma'am a gleam of light shone into the place and presently the servant girl appeared bearing a light and followed by her young mistress who seemed to be overwhelmed by modesty and confusion at sight of the young lady nicholas started and changed colour his heart beat violently and he stood rooted to the spot at that instant and almost simultaneously with her arrival and that of the candle there was heard a loud and furious knocking at the street door which caused newman noggs to jump up with great agility from a beer-barrel on which he had been seated astride and to exclaim abruptly and with a face of ashy paleness bobster by the lord the young lady shrieked the attendant wrung her hands nicholas gazed from one to the other in apparent stupefaction and newman hurried to and fro thrusting his hands into all his pockets successfully and drawing out the linings of every one in the excess of his irresolution it was but a moment but the confusion crowded into that one moment no imagination can exaggerate leave the house for heaven's sake we have done wrong we deserve it all cried the young lady leave the house or i am ruined and undone for ever will you hear me say but one word cried nicholas only one i will not detain you will you hear me say one word in explanation of this mischance but nicholas might as well have spoken to the wind for the young lady with distracted looks hurried up the stairs he would have followed her but newman twisting his hand in his coat collar dragged him towards the passage by which they had entered let me go newman in the devil's name cried nicholas i must speak to her i will i will not leave this house without reputation character violence consider said newman clinging round him with both arms and hurrying him away let them open the door we'll go as we came directly it's shut come this way here overpowered by the remonstrances of newman and the tears and prayers of the girl and the tremendous knocking above which had never ceased nicholas allowed himself to be hurried off and precisely as mr bobster made his entrance by the street door he and noggs made their exit by the area gate they hurried away through several streets without stopping or speaking at last they halted and confronted each other with blank and rueful faces never mind said newman gasping for breath don't be cast down it's all right more fortunate next time it couldn't be helped i did my part excellently replied nicholas taking his hand excellently and like the true and zealous friend you are only mind i am not disappointed newman and i feel just as much indebted to you only it was the wrong lady eh cried newman taken in by the servant newman newman said nicholas laying his hand upon his shoulder it was the wrong servant too newman's underjaw dropped and he gazed at nicholas with his sound eye fixed fast and motionless in his head don't take it to heart said nicholas it's of no consequence you see i don't care about it you followed the wrong person that's all that was all whether newman noggs had looked round the pump in a slanting direction so long that his sight became impaired or whether finding that there was time to spare he had recruited himself with a few drops of something stronger than the pump could yield 
by whatsoever means it had come to pass, this was his mistake. And Nicholas went home to brood upon it, and to meditate upon the charms of the unknown young lady, now as far beyond his reach as ever. End of chapter 40